The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Now, ladies and gentlemen, normally at this time, you would hear the victory horns. Unfortunately, we don't have any victory horns to play you because there is no winner in the main event of Noche UFC. Main event between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko 2. A matchup that delivered in a lot of ways. One that, dare I say, delivered even more so than the first fight. But in the end, it all comes down to round five. Looks like Valentina Shevchenko is going to cruise to victory. She's jabbing away. She's piecing Alexa Grasso up. And then she makes a mistake. And Alexa Grasso gets on top, almost gets her out of there, almost submits her. The final horn sounds. We go to the judges' scorecards. One for Grasso, one for Shevchenko. And then we get Mike Bell's card, 47-47. It is a split draw. And we're thinking to ourselves, selves, This doesn't seem too terrible. Like maybe we can make a case for round two, a 10-8 for Alexa Grasso. We'll wait till the cards come out. And then the great John Anik lets us all know it was round five. Round five that was scored a 10-8. And if the that card was scored the way everybody else on planet Earth scored it, a 10-9 for Valentina or a 10-9 for Alexa Grasso, Valentina Shevchenko is once again the flyweight champion of the world. But Alexa Grasso leaves as champion. She didn't get the official win, but much like in the world of professional wrestling, you got to beat the champ to win the belt, and you got to do it the right way, and we got ourselves a draw. We're going to react to all of it right now. Thank you for joining us for this live post-fight show. Appreciate you guys being patient with us. I am Mike Heck. Let us say hello to the rest of the panel. Mr. Shaheen Alshadi joining us. Shaheen, how are you, my friend? I'm sure you got all sorts of feelings going on after this draw. 
and the scoring, especially this fifth round. Yeah, I'm doing well, Mike. It's I'm, I'm glad to be on here. Uh, that was a hell of a fight, first of all. Like, I know we're going to get to the scoring and we're going to talk a lot about it, but man, that was a ton of fun, right? Like, I, in my opinion, I had it 3-2 Grasso. I could have seen 3-2 Shevchenko, but to, to end up in a split draw initially, you know, I didn't... I liked the result, but I didn't like the method that we got there, if that made sense. Because I, once it ended up with a split draw, it makes sense. But... Mike Bell, man, what are you doing? What are you doing? And a man who probably didn't love the card, but in hindsight, probably appreciates what this all means and just kind of going with the branding of what 2023 in the UFC and this sport has been another funny, crazy, absolute chaotic result. Mr. No Gray Area, Jed Bashu. How, how are we feeling about 25, 30 minutes after this, this result was scored and even seeing the the reaction of Sean Shelby to finding out this is going to be a draw. <laughs> I got a lot of feelings, just so many feelings. Um, we'll get into that through all of this. Uh, the two most important things that I want to say is first, we didn't need victory horns. We got the drums of competitive equilibrium and that's totally fine. Like we're, we're right here and that's okay. And two, and most importantly, I think I'm about to get on this program and I'm about to defend Mike Bell. Not for what happened because look it's a bad scorecard but people have you ever beefed you ever screwed up you ever looked at something and been like that was a mistake and not like a looking back at your high school yearbook photo and thinking man a high top fade was probably not the move for me at the time this is like a oh i just immediately regret the decisions i made and i'm staring down at this scorecard and it's looking like if I score this a 10-9 for Grasso because she won the round, she's going to lose the belt. And that doesn't, that feels a little bad inside. So I'm just going to give an eight. And then it's all okay. <laughs> We've all been there. Mike Bell took the opportunity to change a thing against all logic and reason because the outcome was the one he wanted to make happen. And, you know, again, probably bad process, but. We've all been there. I see you, Mike. I totally know what happened here, and I'm not going to crucify you for it, even though it's bad. Shaheen, are you going to crucify Mr. Bell for this? Because I, I feel like I feel like Valentina Shevchenko might have some words for the man. And if you have seen Valentina Shevchenko's mindset, the fact that she hasn't, still has not cracked a smile since she lost the belt, I think she might have some words for for Mr. Bell. How are you feeling? When you found out it was round five, Shaheen, round five, it almost like, to me, it almost like soiled how good the fight was. Yeah, that's it was like, at. yeah, it stunned. It was like a stunning thing. I was like, man, I guess you're giving round two a 10-8. Like, I don't love it, but I guess. But when I found out it was round five, I'm like, it just like ruined the whole thing for me. In a weird way, yeah. I think that's sort of where I'm at, right? Because you watch this fight and all throughout it, the, the twists and turns, the ups and downs, the roller coaster nature of it, it was a tremendous fight. You know, I had it 1 1 after two uh, going into the final round. I had it 2 2. It felt like anything was up for grabs. These near submissions, knockdowns, it, it just the, the wild swings. It was, it really felt like one of these moments of like, man, we are about to see who is who can dig deepest in this situation. This could be an all time gut check moment for either one of these women, a true legacy fight sort of set, sort of setup. And so as we exit this fifth round, it's just, you know, it was almost that, that thing of, 
like Valentina Shevchenko had this wrapped up, right? Like she, she very much, it felt like she was about to win this fight. And then she made the same mistake more or less that she made in the, in the, in the last one gives up her back again. And it's just like, Oh my God, this is happening again. There's no way we can actually be seeing this play out again. Goes to the scorecards. I had it three, two Grasso, as I said, and then it just, you, you hear the split draw takes a second to process it. Like, okay, this fight felt like it could have been a draw, right? Because I think 48-47 Shevchenko is a completely defensible scorecard. If that would, if she would have ended up winning the belt, I would have had absolutely no problem with it whatsoever. And so, okay, if you want to call this fight a draw, like I can, I can sort of get there with you. But then it's just again, it's what you said. It's it's the method by which we got there that almost makes this. It ruins what what to me was one of the best flyweight title fights that we've seen in maybe ever, at least it's certainly in a long time for this women's division, right? Like that was such a great fight. That was such a great fight. I was on riding such a high afterwards. And then right now I just don't know how to feel. And I, I'm reminded of, I think it was like 2013. I'm, I'm, I've been in this a bit. So I, I've seen some of these fights 2013 when Mark hunt and, and Bigfoot Silva just went to absolute war in Australia, just absolute chaos type of fight pure scenes and then at the end a few of the judges gave the final round a 10-8 to mark hunt just to sort of end up at a draw even though it wasn't a 10-8 it was like hey this fight was so much fun it feels like it should be a draw we're just gonna figure out a way to make it a draw and it's like that's cool that was fine in that moment is a very low stakes heavyweight fight it wasn't for a title or anything like that i can accept it in that moment this one though man i don't know I, I don't know. Normalize that. Normalize that. Shaheen, what I'm hearing from you right now is not um, – it's you just trying to work your way process. And what you need – you need to get to the end result, which is if we didn't know what rounds were scored, if they just gave us the scores at the end, we'd all be Would've happy. Would have been fine. Would have been so fine. So let's just, let's just live in that world. I don't need to read uh, – you know, like when I get a bill, I don't go and look through line by line the items. I don't got time for that. They're going to charge me whatever they're going to charge me. And whatever I mean, number you should at probably the bottom, do that. it's all you I'm concerned think about. think about doing that when you get a bill. Not necessary because I, I, that's not how I choose to live my life. I don't get caught up in the minutia of things. Sheen, I'm here about the end result. And the end result's fine. We should all be happy with it. I'm. Let me tell you, I'm probably more happy with that than if Valentina, like, wins the belt and then this discourse for the next three weeks or however long is well did she really deserve to win because i didn't think she did i scored it three to two i gave dueling 10 eights in rounds two and three but i thought grasso should have retained either way the answer is these two women will be fighting a third time and now you know we just have this to talk about tonight it's a great outcome we should all be very happy with the draw we are just too reflexively against draws in this sport because it feels you know, uh, like Ted Lasso said, I, but, but I don't think that's the thing. I disagree. Cause I'm not against draws. I, I kind of, again, I kind of, I tweeted it in the moment. Like I felt pretty good about the draw. Like that was a pretty good result. Ultimately, if you're going to throw it up in the air and we, it seemed like it, everyone was kind of like, eh, this could go either way. Like I can accept the draw in that moment, especially because it, like, if you just put it out in the ether of, Hey, there was a 10, eight somewhere. You could bring back a lot of results, right? You scored two different 10-8s. I think there were multiple rounds there where you, if you felt like throwing a 10-8 out in, it's not the craziest thing in the world. It just wasn't round five where Valentino Shevchenko won half the round and then Alexa Grasso won half the round. That's not a 10-8. She won, she won more than half the round. <laughs> she won 65% of the round. I'm not a math guy. Don't Don't trust me on that. But, you know, three minutes and 30 seconds of the round she won. 
for the, I, I see some comments saying, well, where's the, po- where's the press conference? See the beauty of tonight is, and the beauty of, of this show. And you see the little duck in the corner as uh we could do both at the same time. We figure out a way to do it. So if you want, get you a website I don't like to tell people, both. yeah, get you a website. They could do both. I don't like to tell you to leave what I'm doing to go do something else, but at least we're going from one thing on our website to the other. So if you want to watch post press conference, uh, you can go ahead and do that. You could do that right now, or you could stay here and join us. And guess what? You could watch it later. It's all there for you. All the, the options are a plenty. And Jed, it's amazing to me that you have found, are you the new Prince of Positivity? You found a silver lining like in all of this. Feels like you it. found a silver lining in all this. And I think it's a good one. This I think it's a, a good outcome one. for me. This, was, this I, almost I can't lose. This pretty much guarantees we're going to get a third fight. Because I yeah, think you have to do it now. And this fight was awesome. Like their first fight wasn't that fun. Um, like it was very high stakes and tense. This fight was really tense down the stretch. Like heading into that fifth round when, you know, it scorecards were sort of all over the place and even more so than we knew, apparently. Um, and you know, it, it felt to me, and I think largely what, you know, and turned out actually to be true that kind of win the fifth, you're gonna end up winning this fight. Um, and so like it was just it had just built and there were big epic moments, you know, in the first fight, really, there was the moment, the finishing moment, which was this, uh, you know, crescendoing experience. And uh, I was on the wrong end of that. And I was very sad about it. This one there, there were swings and there was back and forth and I'm live blogging. And after round two, when, when Grasso drops her and then kind of puts it on her for a lot of the rest of the round and Shevchenko dives in a double and just holds on for dear life from top position, like, I'm writing and man, I don't, she didn't look great in the corner. That's a really bad round. Is, is this the moment when time has just caught her by? She just got dropped, blah, blah, blah. She needs a, my exact words were Shevchenko needs a really big something to happen in the third to change this. And then she immediately gets that in the third. She comes out and has her best round of the fight, uh, gets that guillotine that gets um, extremely close in my opinion, not for the whole part of it, but there was certainly a time when, when she's immediately rolling to Mount where it's like, that's bad. And then she has back control for, you know, two and a half, three minutes or whatever. And that's, I know that we had this argument at the beginning of the year. I'm sorry. If you, if someone's on your back for three minutes, you lose the round. And in my opinion, you lose the round by, by a 10, eight measure, because that's all defense all the time, baby. And so there, there were ebbs and flows and the fourth round was super competitive. And then the fifth Shevchenko has pulled away. It's just like out of sort of nowhere, her, her best round for a lot of it was that third round. She was moving the best. The jab just couldn't miss. Uh, Grosso didn't really have answers. And then Shevchenko does the dumbest thing possible and goes to a move that has cost her fights before. And it all like, I thought it cost her. I wrote at the end. I was like, she heaved a belt. She was winning this fight. She was going to win the fifth round. And she just threw it out the window. And Alexa Grosso's we're in the Alexa Grosso era. And then this happened. And, I feel like it's pretty close to the right outcome. I, I don't think either woman like truly asserted themselves much more than the other over the totality of the fight. If I'm picking one, I do think Grosso should have won. So I'm very unhappy in that regard. She didn't lose the belt. And we get to do this all again. And it, it's a great matchup. It's a great fight. And I'm I'm fine with it because also we'll talk about this more later, but Aaron Blanchfield versus Menon Fior. That's gonna be fun. And then we'll have like a no doubt about it. Here's our path to a title. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's, it's very clean. So I'm okay with this. It was a good night, man. Men and Faro, like low key, the biggest, not even low key, high key, the not biggest low, loser not even low key. of the night. 
Because sure, she doesn't get her title shot, and neither does Aaron Blanchfield. But you said this when we were in pre-show, Jed. She got fight Aaron. Now she gets to fight Aaron Blanchfield, which is not a great consolation Lips prize too. from maybe where you thought you were headed. Plus, she didn't screw up. Like Shevchenko's a big loser, but she went for that dumbass head and arm throw. So that she's at fault for that. Manal's just minding her own business, beating the women that they keep putting in front of her, and now it's like, hey, sorry about that whammy. <laughs> I will have to say, too, if we're just trying to print some positivity this, there is one other positive outcome to this that I'm now deeply intrigued in because, Mike, you sort of alluded to it when we were setting this up of Valentina was a very different Valentina this week and maybe the lead up uh, than she has been in a long time. She was very intense, very focused. A lot of the interviews looked like um, interrogation scenes, to use a, 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 word, a phrase from our own Slack room. <laughs> I was deeply intrigued by sort of the, the Valentine we were getting in this. And now she's only going to be more pissed off because now there's two fights in a row where she feels probably like in both instances, she was the better fighter and yet she didn't win either of them. So the lead up to the third fight, she's going to just be carrying around a pistol and going to shoot somebody more or less. Like I can't, I can't fathom the level of a, a frustration she's going to be throughout the lead up to the next one. Cause there is going to be a next one. Like let's not, kid ourselves right at this point right like she is the greatest champion this division has ever seen there i think there's a real case she could have won this fight even if i didn't score it for her the whole way that this fifth round was the decider this is going to be a third fight and she's just going to be the most salty person in the lead up to it and i'm, I'm super here for it she's gonna have a freaking mohawk it's gonna be incredible she's gonna do something wacky with the hair she's gonna be a whole different person and for a UFC schedule, especially on the back end of 2023, that is kind of unknown. We kind of, we might have another option here. If we need to throw in a title fight, maybe not as a main event, but as a co-main for December, like if we can't get O'Malley on there, you could chuck this one in there as the co-main event to Sean, maybe Sean Strickland versus DDP or whatever ends up being the main event of December. Cause we don't know. So this is just another additional fight that we can add to the equation. Unless you want to wait till January and do it in Toronto, yeah. but it doesn't really seem to make sense to do it in Toronto. It is. It is almost back again, though. That's just, it is almost. It's weird. not like a fast turnaround, but it's quick. Three months. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, if if they want to take any time at all, that's three months to get right sure. back in. That's I always. It's just they a took lot. a decent. I mean, you could do March. You could do took March. A decent amount of damage in this fight. It might take them a bit. Yeah, but January is in Toronto. Yeah, February will probably be in like Australia again. So maybe March in Vegas, we do it again. Do it in Australia. It's fine. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> it does kind of feel like we have the makings here of essentially what happened on the men's side of flyweight, right? Where we have this weird trilogy with Moreno and Figueroa that ends I mean, up Shuchenko being this tetralogy. Win, yeah, yeah. Like if this ends up Take being one, 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 we kind of have to figure it out at that point, right? Like. What? Aaron Blanchfield is going to be fuming, just beating <laughs> poor women senseless and just looking and be like, I would murder them. Just let me at them, please, coach. Let me in. Blanchfield oh, man. Of this whole division, right? Man, now. let me tell you, there are very few things <laughs> I want to see more uh, than. And again, we're talking to the number one Valentina Shevchenko stand for like a decade at this point. I just desperately want to see her try head and arm toss Aaron Blanchfield and see how bad that goes for her. Because Valentina has a lot of abilities, but the moment someone gets like on top of her, she is cooked. Every second Grosso has been on top, she has been just obliterating this poor woman. So 
uh, Aaron, I'm sorry. You're the champion in my heart. Just give it some time. Look, we're going to go back to all of this because we're going to be joined by someone in a little while who actually stands. He's okay with the 10-8 in round five. Stands by it. Says it's okay. And we're going to bring that man in to, to, for him to share his wisdom with all of you in a matter of months. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Before we do that, uh, call me an event. Another very, very close fight, Shaheen. Jack Della Maddalena versus Kevin Holland. Super close fight. Could have gone either way. I saw somebody score at 30-27 for Holland. That is an awful scorecard. So maybe not put that out there in the public eye anymore. But uh, 29-28 either way is okay. But JDM gets the win, Shaheen. Did uh, did the judges get this right? Did you score for JDM? And what did you think of his performance, especially considering how people kind of viewed him after his most recent fight where he went to another split decision with the newcomer and some people thought he lost that fight? Yeah, I mean, I did score for him. I scored a 2-1 for him, 29-28. It was a good win for him. I think it is one of those fights where you look at the statistics and maybe the statistics don't tell the whole tale, but they certainly tell a little bit of the tale. Right. And I think one thing, I mean, we were talking about it amongst ourselves, the optics of the game plan with which Kevin Holland approached this fight with, it was, he was going to have to fight more or less a perfect fight to get that decision. Just because when that is sort of the approach you're taking, uh, fighting that defensively and also just sort of turning your back and running and, and doing a lot of the shoulder rolling things that he was doing, it's just not easy for the judges to pick that up in real time. And, and just optically, they will always tend to go favor the man who is marching forward, the man who they view as sort of being the aggressor. And also, I, I mean, it was just, you know, deep kicks and all of, all of the stuff that Callan was working and landing. I just don't know that that goes a long way with a lot of the judges. So it's a tough fight, man. That could have, that's another one could have gone either way, but I did have that 29, 28 and it's a good bounce back for, for JDM though. I do wonder if the last two have maybe slowed this role a little bit, because it felt like we were getting hot and heavy with, with the JDM is going to be a future champion talk pretty, pretty hard after his first few UFC fights. And I think now maybe it is a moment to settle down on that. Like he's certainly someone who's going to matter in this division, certainly. And he has a long way to go. He has a long future ahead of him. But I think this was a good indication that, you know, Hey, like, let's take some time here. This isn't something we need to rush. Jed, you, you were very hard on JDM. You questioned his fight IQ. Were you, are you back on track here? Did, did he show you enough to be a little bit easier on him here after this performance or you still have questions? 
I'm going to still have questions, but this is exactly the performance you want to see from him. This is a super disciplined fight from him, um, which, you know, I think a lot of people guessed and you could have guessed uh, that he, you know, he got an earful from his coaches at the end because they were telling him during the fight, stop doing this dumb shit, man. Um, and so, you know, he went back to the well and, and again, very, very disciplined performance. He clearly had stuff that he had worked on and was trained trying to do and then trying to figure out this fight in a way that best benefited his skills um with shaheen i think um kevin holland's approach to this fight was uh both good and bad it was good in that it was a really competitive fight and i think there is an argument that he won the fight but i was really confident we were talking about the slack uh that the judges would not score this fight i scored it for jdm uh and i think the way that kevin holland was fighting was not conducive to success for most people because the optics are pretty poor. Um, Luke Thomas this week uh, on one of his shows was talking about uh, Sean Strickland and the Philly shell. And uh, it's really great. Go listen to, to him talking about it. But one of the things that really stood out to me, particularly in the context of this fight is Strickland's Philly shell, like caused a ton of problems defensively for Israel Dissenia. And I think we saw the same for Holland, but the, primary difference between those two and the way they employed them is Strickland's Philly shell was used almost entirely moving forward. And um, one, that's like pretty rare. And two, that still gave him the initiative in most of the exchanges to parry, slide, slip and and get off a of one two, get back at him. Whereas Holland's was almost exclusively moving backwards. And so instead it just created more opportunities for JDM to continue throwing combination that is something jdm has always been really good at and will keep doing if you are close enough to hit he will keep punching you until you are no longer close enough to hit or you're unconscious and so even though holland was blocking like a lot of that like those combos that happened that's just it just looks like a dude is teeing off on you and you're trying to cover up and run away and and that's not the same as strickland doing that against izzy basically so um thought it was a really disciplined performance from JDM. Uh, really good performance. Still have tons of questions. Um, and I will say that, I, you know, the, the Basel fight tempered me on my expectations for him. But this is still a dude who's going to hang around at the top 10 of this weight class for years to come. And honestly, outside of the tactical choices that I disagree with from Kevin Holland, very solid fight from him. Still looks good. Like he's this guy who can still make noise in welter like in the welterweight division um just might want to rethink some of how he's approaching some fights sometimes because it does appear that every couple of times he gets caught up in something that's probably not the best way to go about fighting like you probably shouldn't try and do a kickboxing match with steven thompson for four rounds and just get battered around the head probably could have gone to more takedowns or had a more aggressive game plan against jdm here but you know fun fight yeah, in discipline, it seems like is is the imperative word, the key word that you kept using, right? Because I, mm -hmm. I think that was a very legitimate, very legitimate questions that were being asked regarding JDM after that last one, right? Where it was a very puzzling fight IQ that we saw from him in that half his fight, very puzzling decisions throughout the fight. And that was a that was one of those takeaways coming from that of like, is this who this guy is, or was this just a weird circumstance with a short notice opponent for a guy who cut weight twice in two weeks? I'm willing, I was willing to give him a mulligan after that last one of this potentially being a weird circumstance. And, and what we saw tonight, I think, is a good return to form for like, okay, yeah, like that was that seemed to be an aberration comparatively with what we saw tonight of what was a very intelligent fight from Jackie Three Names. 
As far as bonuses go, uh, all the finishers got bonuses. All of them. So good on that. Hey, finish bonuses. Uh, finish bonuses. Raul Rochas Jr., who we're going to talk about in a moment. Daniel Zellhuber, uh, Lupi Godinez, Roman Kopilov, and Charlie Campbell, who channeled the rock and kind of made DC look a little silly, but DC with a great comeback. I thought he did a great job in that moment as well. Uh, real quick, before we bring in our special guest and take some questions, uh, Raul Rosas Jr., Jen Mishu, in the featured spot. This is perfect matchmaking, Jed, was it not? I mean, this is this is tremendous because Raul Rosas Jr. needed to come back. He needed to come back in a big way. Got to show his hands. He got a knockout win. It's only the second of his career. Usually he's just going out and, and subbing dudes. And boy, did he have a great dance partner in Terrence Mitchell, who just the perfect guy to get him over. I think Terrence Mitchell should have a job with the UFC for the rest of his life. As long as he wants to continue fighting, I think Terrence Mitchell has a permanent place in this company because of what he did tonight and what he could do for guys like Raul Roche Jr. or anybody else who gets into the octagon with him. Jed, what did you think of that fight? I think about six years ago, maybe, I wrote in, um, you know, I formally did Miss Fist with AK Lee before I was unceremoniously thrown out of that um, endeavor. But at the time, I we were talking about something, and I think it was like a Bellator prelim, and I don't remember who, but um, they, this per whoever it was just got their doors blown off in spectacular fashion. Um, and I wrote a thing that I've come to believe is one of my great offerings to the MMA world, and that's, look, being a good fighter is all well and good, and you, you want to have many of those if you're a promotion. But what you really want to have, you want to have stars, Conor McGregor stars, and then right after that, you want to have people who lose in in good fashion. You don't want to have tough outs who are going to like have boring fights. You want to have guys who you can call in and get smashed. <laughs> and you know, and look, I, I don't care how disrespectful this is to Terrence Mitchell. I am sure he is a lovely young man, and I hope the best for him and his family. But anyone with two working eyeballs and the ability to actually read could have looked at his topology and said, I know where this is going and it has nothing. I mean, yes, the betting line could have clued you in, but you look at his career is Alaska fighting championship. Honestly, a really enjoyable promotion. I don't know if they still do. They used to have events on fight pass. It was very funny to watch them all the time. Uh, enjoyable, not good. All of it's an Alaska fighting championship. He gets called into tough for the tournament of champions. Loses to Kai Kyle France in 30 seconds. The first, like, <laughs> here's a prospect, 30 seconds blows his doors off. Goes back to Alaska. Fights in Alaska again. Gets pulled in against 8-0 Cameron Simon. Super prospect. Gets his doors blown off in 30 seconds. You're, the point is to have this man fight somebody you're trying to get over a young, talented prospect. And I'm not sure how talented Raul Rosas Jr. is. We can get into that in a little bit. But he was obviously going to do this the whole time. And that is a skill set you should pay for if you're the UFC. Just have this dude come in every six months to fight the next young dude who you want to get a big win on Mexican, you know, Independence Day, Noche UFC event or whatever the next one of those they're doing. He should have a job forever. Someone is saying we're overselling a win for Raul Rose Jr. We're not. We're, no, we're overselling we're, we're overselling Terrence as, as being a valuable commodity here. 
Exactly, because I have in my notes of this, um, oh, people are way too high on Raul Rosas Jr. coming off of this. Like, I saw a lot of comments after this being like, wow. I was like, you guys remember he was a minus 800 favorite, and we all knew this was going to happen? And, like, sure, credit to doing the thing that you're supposed to do, but, like, maybe pump the brakes on that a bit. But, yeah, this is nothing to do with Raul Rosas. This is everything to do with Terrence Mitchell and his unique set of skills, which are extremely valuable. What did you think of Raul Rosa Jr. Shaheen? Go ahead. Yeah, I will. I will give the 18 year old who did something pretty well on a on a big stage some credit because I certainly couldn't yeah, have done cool. anything remotely like that at age 18, right? I continue to be like I understand Terrence Mitchell. Terrence Mitchell is Terrence Mitchell. Like we're not going to oversell what this was, but the poise showed by that man, that that teenager, is continually impressive to me because he is doing. All of this on a stage where most 18 year olds, like I couldn't even tell you. Never mind. I'm not going to. I was going to say some. I was doing some weird shit at age 18, as we all were, (laughs) right? Like, come on, man. What were you doing at age 18? I couldn't have been answering. I couldn't have been answering all these questions from the media and being the sole focus of the week and like all this stuff. Cause like we've, we all sort of see the metrics, we see the views. Like people are very interested in Ralph Rosas Jr. Any content revolving around this kid does well. His scrum usually does the best of the group. Like, like whatever this is, people are invested in this kid's journey and he is still just a kid. And so for him to continually be able to not only handle that with a level of a plum that is pretty damn impressive if we're just being honest with ourselves but show out on moments like this where yeah it was he was a fight where he was designed to show out but either way he still did it and that to me like that was that kid that was a violent 18 year old i saw tonight man that kid was putting some aggression out in that fight like that was that was some frustration of of having all these adults just asking him questions about why did you lose for a good six months or however long it's been I was impressed by it, man. Like we're not going to oversell it. We're not going to overhype it. We're not going to say what it was, say it was something that it wasn't. This is still someone who is very, 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 very far from becoming the finished product that he will be. And very far from becoming a person who matters in this division in terms of contention. But I don't know, man, if you, if you can get an 18 year old out there who can put on a performance like that in front of the world, I'm impressed by it. It's just how the world's going these days, Sheen. It's all going to be children. It's all children in every sport now you know it's just it they're better prepared for this so look it was great i'm not here to downplay his thing just like we can find a happier medium than this you match this dude up while he's guaranteed to be big star and a champion like i don't know people were pumped about sage northcutt and here we are with sage Northcutt. yeah but what was sage northcutt like 22 23 i feel like there's a big difference I, there's, I, I feel like if there's a big difference, if that is less in the favor of the 18-year-old, honestly, like he might wake up tomorrow and just not want to do, I've said this all the time, like he probably won't, probably won't keep fighting, but he's 18. Like he might wake up and be like, I want to be a race car driver tomorrow and try and do that. He can do anything. That's what being 18 is. So I, sure. I just want to see him keep fighting, keep winning. And, you know, if every once in a while you throw him a can to crush, and he gets to do this and it's great, then that's fine. But, you know, just don't need to say this guy's a future star. because No, no. Just keep performing. Because I also have no he's idea certainly how an intrigue, much this, though. He's that's the thing. He's definitely an intrigue. I don't know how much of that intrigue is sustainable once he is no longer 18-year-old Earl Rosas Jr. or 19-year-old Earl Rosas Jr. Because it feels weird to be like 20-year-old Earl Rosas Jr., you know? Like, I don't <laughs> well, is I think just that's a two-year 
Is there just I I want to be clear. If he's really good for a long time, I'm keeping up the bit. 35 year old Robert Rosas Jr. <laughs> like that's we're just gonna do that. But you know, I I think a lot of it, at least to this point, feels to me a bit um, you know, Gauch and oh, he's 18 years old. I want to look at this, and I don't know if that keeps up as that no longer becomes true. But it's a good performance, a great bounce back, and great hat. I would say with Habib out of the game. That sombrero is top two hats in, in, in MMA right now. It is a good yeah, hat. I mean, um, really this night hat. was ultimately not even with just, this fight. Just though, a, this whole just night a, was built around either the fights are really competitive or there are squash yeah, matches. Right. Like, that's it. Like that's what this card is built to be. There's only like, I, what did we say, Jed? Outside of the main event, the co-main event, and the Cortez Jastavigius fight, which Chase Cortez great. That fight was awesome. Uh, and they probably should have got a big fight big of the night. But every what every single favorite was like minus two fifty or above, something in that neighborhood. Yeah. And the one fight I thought was misaligned was the one that the dog cashed, and it was Kyle Nelson. I thought him being uh, plus two fifty or whatever he was, or plus two hundred was. I, I thought that line should have been was a little too wide. But this kept is what the from, night was kept me from a perfect night, fun. Kyle Nelson. Dude, yeah, it was ultimately good. Yeah, it was a fun night. This, this, I loved that the UFC did this, and in execution, it played out in a really cool and fun way. Where this felt big. This was more or less just a fight night, right? Is a fight night car, type of card with a, a really, really, really good main event, right? Like this is a championship fight underneath just what is essentially an apex card. But the way they designed it, the production around it, just all of the little features with it and everything that sort of went into it to make it special. All we ask for every single week is for the UFC to make things feel special. We, we see your financial reports. We understand that you guys are making billions of dollars. Like it's ridiculous the amount of money that this corporation is making to reinvest it into the sport in a way that a night like this, free for everybody more or less, like if, free with a subscription obviously, but free title fight really cool setup squash matches galore but it was a great crowd they were super fired up this felt like a big fight night this felt more or less it had a pay-per-view type of vibe and to be able to give us something like that on, on you know espn plus i thought i love that man i hope that they do more in of this i hope that they see how much all of us enjoyed this and lean farther into it and we can get regional variants like this just cards that are sort of specialized in this way and feel different than UFC Apex 4000, where we're seeing, you know, the same people fight over and over again in front of nobody. Like this, this is this is cool. This was different, and all I all I ever asked for the UFC is cool and different. Yeah, this is fun. I loved uh, the ceremonials being outside, the mariachi band, like everything about it was just cool. Like more fun, more fun. Give us more fun. We'll all be very happy. Look, um, if we're not uh, if we're not doing a Bastille Day card next July with all the pomp and circumstance, what the hell are we even doing here? You know, like it's a great just, point. Just go go to Nice. You don't even have to do it in Paris if that's you know too hard. As you know, they are celebrating. Just come on, make it happen, guys. This was great. It was wonderful. It's a really fun time. It all worked out. Um, you know, I, I had a great time tonight, and I don't yeah, care about the. I had a great time. Draw, so it was, it was really, yeah. really enjoyable set of. I had a great time. On. Mike Bell trying to ruin my great time. Matter. But I had a great time. <laughs> Mike Bell, yes. Uh, apparently, Valentina Shevchenko is at the press conference, uh, just ripping Mike Dude. Bell and judges in how general. Did, so, check how did that we out feel if you'd about like the to. heel turn? How did we feel about the heel turn? Because. I mean, look, she's a salty loser. She's planting um, seeds, dude. Come... She's planting seeds for the next fight. Look, I, I get it. Um, 
I don't think that's the pure explanation of in a fair and just world, I am the winner. Like that was just, she just straight up was like, that I think the judges felt pressured because of Mexican Independence Day, and Incredible that's why this balls. happened. Incredible I was robbed balls. by the, just just go like, I was robbed it. by the fucking coward sitting in the judges' chairs tonight. <laughs> basically, what she said. They Did were you hear the reaction from the crowd? Around. Yeah. So I, mean, I missed it. Was an it. Incredible heel promo. <laughs> I missed it, and I was watching. I had the um the captions on, so. He goes, yeah, all I saw was like, oh, it's Mexican Independence Day. And I was like, oh, she's shouting out the day in, in the fighters. And then I went then she I went back mad. and rewound it. And I was like, oh, now I understand why the crowd was like, what the what the hell was that? Like, that was Dude, completely out of nowhere. She is, is not one here of the worst for anyone's bullshit. She is nope. not here for your bullshit, my bullshit, and their bullshit. And I am, I, I kind of appreciate it, frankly. Like, that takes incredible balls to just go up there and say that. So the thing is, I appreciate it. I can't think of one that was more like, do you want to infuriate a good amount of people watching this? Like, I cannot think of another fight that was more designed to Maybe get Maybe Colby hate. in Brazil. Yeah, but that's yeah, but that's so a performative. Shtick. It's stupid. Like, this felt this from her shtick. soul. Yeah, yeah, this was just her. Yeah. She this genuinely believed everything she said. Yeah. That's like, fair. Yeah, speaking her truth of I was robbed by the cowards in the judges' chairs who didn't want to cause a riot in, in I just Vegas wish, or whatever. I wish she would have specifically pointed, just found them and pointed to them and been like, you guys, you need to explain One at to time. me. That would have been the best. She just goes and finds Mike Bell and just stands over him. He's like, tell me now. Puts a microphone in his face and forces him to give an explanation. At least that would be a change. That would be nice. I got to say, yeah. That wouldn't be – she would be doing a better job than anyone else has ever done with these judges. What an incredible job these these people have, really, to where you can can be doing something so deeply important to so many people, something that meaningfully impacts so many different people's lives – and you could just be so flippant with it, where it's like, hey, you know, this doesn't really make sense, but it, it feels fun. And it's going to lead to some cool talk, Look, talking points for people. I'm going to do it. And then I'm just going to walk out and no one will ever get to ask me any questions about it ever. And there will be zero accountability. And then it's just we all move on. What a cool day. I wish I it. had that level of non-accountability for my job. It'd be great. Shaheen, think about what you just said. That's why I'm OK with what Mike Bell did. Because you know that I would do exactly the same thing the whole time. If I was in that position, I would just do whatever I wanted because it felt right. So I get it, Mike Bell. I understand where you're coming from, buddy. I see you. No one else so, does, but I get you. I think we have set up a perfect transition here because we're, we're, we're talking about speaking truths and saying what you feel and, and being your true self. So at this point, love it's this time truth. for bringing the man who's been patiently waiting um, since we began, he's been sitting in the, the green room, the virtual green room. This is a man who's actually defending Mike Bell. He's defending Mike Bell. There he is right there. Okay, he's defending, he's defending the 10, eight fifth round. He said, and I quote, I got no issue with it. I have no issue with it. I can see a 10, eight fifth round. So Casey Lydon, producer extraordinaire, uh, gets to sit in the co-host seat today. Please explain yourself to the people. Have you been talked out of this take at all? Because you, we almost, we almost <laughs> got like little fist during these takes. 
Actually, I think the only person that scored this fight correctly was Jed Mishu. Nailed it. Nailed it. That's right. This is Good another okay. instance. This is not what you said earlier. I, it, it, you're, you're right. It is not, it's not, it's not what I said. But uh, Jed did make a good but point. It, I'm uh, right. Uh, round three was the round of deep. The, the round the round three was around the deep gilly, right? That was round three. Yes, right? deep gilly okay. and the extended back control. Extended back control. Okay. I just really want to remind people: we at home have a better view of the fight than the actual judges do. That's very. We true. don't know where the judges are. It is are so sitting. deeply hard to judge a fight at a fight. It it, it really is. It really it's is very dumb. It's, 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 it's kind of silly how that we sentence, like, at home we have a better that view. This sentence is true. Is it dumb? And, yeah. It's just a dumb thing. And if, and if you've ever had a chance to, if you get an opportunity to, to sit cage side for a major fight, you'll realize this go, oh, I think this guy's winning. Um, and I, I guess I'll have to watch it at home to be confident because you don't, you just don't know when you're there. And I'm going to assume Mike Bell, from his angle, thought that choke was just talking about round five was just in super, 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 super duper deep. And that's why he gave it a 10-8. Verse and the guillotine attempt in the back mount or whatever um, in round three, he just didn't feel quite made the 10-8 uh, to jump from 10-9 to 10-8. And this goes back to a bigger issue why I hate the 10-point scoring system because how can round one be the scored the same way as round five or round three? But that's a a larger stupider issue that, that would never get resolved but all i'm saying is i think it's justifiable uh i didn't score i didn't score round um five a 10 eight i did score the fight for grasso uh overall but um i think the right person quote unquote still won so that's kind of where <laughs> nobody I, 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 nobody I, being didn't right lose <laughs> or right person, the right, lose. sorry the right person didn't lose rather rather um yeah Okay, I, I met, admittedly, as soon as this started when we were off air, I was I went a little harder in the paint. <laughs> you I guess. really did. Yeah. Well, I, you, I was kind of shocked. Man, you guys came after me hard too. You're going, you're going, yeah. So, but um, you were digging it. Well, at least, so at least hard. you. Okay, so the point I, I, we were making. I, I was, and I was, by I the way, I was, I was emotional. That's why. That's why we get it. We all were. We go yeah, We yeah. all were. <laughs> it was fun. Jed, Jed, real quick, for those who don't know, how did you score the fight? Just so we can uh, we can go back oh, to yeah. this. I scored the fight uh, 47-46 for Grasso. Um, it is another of many instances where I am the only person with the correct scorecard on MMA decisions. Um, <laughs> if you could, I don't know if they let you search like my name there, but you're going to find a whole litany of those because I'm doing it right and everyone else isn't. Uh, I gave rounds two and rounds three 10-8s, uh, dueling 10-8s. I gave round two a 10-8 for Alexa Grasso. Because under the rules, I am absolutely within my rights to give her that round um, based on how scoring criteria works. And I think that that round had substantially more impact and dominance uh, that led to an effect that was tangible and so scored that at 10-8. Similarly, I think the third round where Shevchenko got the very tight gu guillotine uh, and then spent three minutes in back control, which is an asymmetrical position that Alexa Grasso had no answer for and no offense, I felt that that was enough dominance and duration to warrant a 10-8 round. Uh, I am actually at least somewhat on board. I think that it is not entirely unreasonable to score round five, a 10-8. I think it is unreasonable to score that a 10-8 and not score two or three, as those were more clearly dominant rounds. 
I could be talked into it. Why I didn't give that a 10-8 is because up until the first three minutes and 30 seconds of that round were pretty clearly uh, Shevchenko dummying Grasso for large portions of that with the jab. And so I just went 10-9. But I I thought Grasso probably won three rounds. And I, so that's why I'm like fine with what happened. I, I don't think she should have lost her belt. It wouldn't have been the worst scorecard ever if she did. But I think she did enough, had enough big moments in that fight to deserve to retain. That's, that's why this is all so dumb. Like, all of this is so dumb yeah. because there are so many defensible, easily explainable ways we could have reached sort of the result we reached. Round 2, 10, 8 is super defensible. I think there's a very clear case for that. Round 3, 10, 8 is also very defensible. The whole thing Here's is the, just... That's the thing, Shaheen. The... I I've come around on the 10, eight scoring system in MMA. I like it's very fraught and super complicated thing. Um, and I think it's not the best, but I think it can be ported over fine. The problem is creating a system that is at, for a large portion of its history is too restrictive on 10, eight rounds. And that's dumb because boxing is three minute rounds, which is substantially different than five minutes. And boxing has a very clear structure of how rounds get weighted more. A fighter gets dropped that round goes down and that like, and that actually works in the, in the whole combination of the system of boxing because, Hey, that guy got dropped. If you got dropped, it, it was clearly real and thus it deserves more weight. It's much, it's much more fluid. And now this like, well, let's bring some ambiguity into when it should be. It should just be pretty clear. Like, Hey, if this fighter did substantially more of something than the other, then that's a 10, eight round and just add more of them in. And this gets so much cleaner holistically and it's really frustrating well so so i have a question for all y'all and then i have two statements that are that are separate question pride rules which are the ultimate rules Grasso. the king's rules the, the rules of the greats who won Alexa grasso uh, grasso for Pro sure i hate probably grasso i hate pride rules i think probably pride rules well, i hate dumb. you <laughs> They're dumb. Look, here's the big problem with pride rules is that pride rules say that it's like who won the fight as a whole, but that just functionally is who won the last three minutes and look like they would no, be winning if the fight not. kept going on. That is super it's, not how stuff played out. Often it largely pride. translates out. But I think under either term, Grasso won. But I, yes, Grasso won the fight. Yeah. In, I think Grasso won the fight. Uh, yeah, by pride rules. Then yes. two schoolyard rules. Grasso won the fight. Schoolyard rules. Yeah. For sure. Who do you want to be? Who would you have rather been at the end of the fight? Who? That's sort of. Where I always see it. Two quick aside. I would I would still rather be Shevchenko because Grasso has a cut and stitches uh suck. And I don't think Shevchenko is cut, but you know, she got yeah, pretty lumped up. She was pretty lumped oh, up. Shevchenko took like 20 knees to the head trying to play the and game. And that was that so was that was one of my first things. I the two asides I have. One who was the ref again? Who was the ref Herb Dean had a great night. Great night, perfect refereeing by Herb Dean, and I love oh. that that's the rule now because those knees were sick in round yep. four. That was monstrous. I I hope we see more of that because you saw Valentina like trying to play the game, and Herb just being like, "Nah, you got a deal." Like you put yourself in this position. Yeah. That was killer, man. I love that the aggression, like the instinct to do that, it's tremendous. What's up, Jeff? Oh, I just want to be like, I'm so I'm with you. One, I thought that was brilliant from Grasso. I hate the world we live in because <laughs> like what is Shevchenko that? because Shev, well, Shevchenko's sitting there and like trying to play the game 
and feeling like she is getting hard done by because it's not working for her and it shouldn't, but also um, the rules aren't unified. And so in some places where they fight, you can play the game. And it's so dumb to have this like one very dumb rule be not the all same. And we're dumb. like, all of this well, is I dumb. Agree. Tonight was yes, a perfect encapsulation of why all of this is dumb. There, there are no, there's no basis of, there's no but like yeah. baseline for but any of this. All of this is people t- just doing stuff and then being like, eh. <laughs> You it's know? all Calvin Ball. Is that gonna it's work? all Calvin Ball. <laughs> yeah. My big takeaway, though, from that moment was, first, damn, Shevchenko's getting beaten in the head right now. <laughs> that that probably sucks. She should stop letting that happen. And then immediately it was not great. I was like, you know, it was just, man, um, why is there any ambiguity about this? Why can't we all just decide what is fine to when it's fine to knee people in the head and when it's not? So she would have done something better instead of playing the game. So that was just a frustrating moment, but good on Alexa Grasso because that was some of her best offense. Yeah. And that, that ties into maybe the second aside that I just wanted to say here, which is I am truly, truly impressed at this point with who Alexa Grasso has become because I, I'll be honest, I did not see this coming, right? Like the, the evolution of what she has sort of achieved with this final form she showed tonight that the first fight was clearly no fluke. And she also showed that like results or not, whether she got the win or not flyweight Alexa Grasso is very much for real. And that is a staggering fact considering that like four years ago, basically to the day, more or less four years ago, she was two and three over her last five. And she lost the fight to Carla to make it, to put herself on that slump. Like she looked like someone who, I mean, obviously entering from Invicta, there was a lot of hype around her and Aldana. It was just this idea of like, hey, these two Mexican fighters, these two Mexican women are going to come into here. They look killer in Invicta and they're going to come take the UFC by storm. And it super did not happen at the for a large chunk of Alexa Grasso's career. And this move to 125 is why I is, you know, we don't we don't talk about it often, but like I'm so glad the UFC ultimately instituted this division because the 115 to 135 gap, there was just too much there, and so much talent now has found their way at 125. Alexa Grasso looks incredible, man. She looked like a world beater tonight. She looked like a champion tonight. And for her to become this all-around just demon where she's throwing out these knees, the jab was working, all the groundwork where, like you said, Jed, earlier, when she was getting on top of Valentina, she was just tearing her apart. And the heart that she continually shows in all of these fights, you saw it in the first fight, coming from behind to get the to get the choke when nobody thought, or to get the submission when nobody thought she could get the submission. Tonight, fighting out of the guillotine pulling it out in these final few rounds even pulling a 10-8 in the round five whether you agree yeah. or not. like the heart the heart that she shows out there man combined with the skill set and the talent of what she has truly become frankly incredible because i super did not see this coming and i was still a little bit doubt i still doubted it a little bit after that first one because it was somewhat of a i wouldn't say fluky but it was one of those things of just like is this for real and no questions this is obviously is, for real. is this a safe space is this are we in we in the circle of trust? Oh boy, I still have some doubts. Um, really? Not about her, not not about her heart or toughness or anything like this, but like, I mean, there were look I, again. I scored this fight for her. I thought she won, and there were parts of what happened tonight that was just tremendous. There were also parts of it that were really bad. <laughs> like she's fighting she, Valentina Shevchenko, man. She is, and that's why this was like a really fun but interesting fight. Like, I'm yes, Valentina Shevchenko, one of the greatest of all time, like a terrific fighter. Grasso simply couldn't work around a jab. Like she was, she had could not figure out how to work around this jab, and that's 
other people who are smarter than this than I am are going to go into deeper about this this week because I don't know all the answers, but it is so evident that like just fighting Val in, in Southpaw, like totally jacked her up. Like that first round for like the two minutes when, when Grasso was in Orthodox and Shevchenko's whipping the body kick and her offense is in rhythm and she's looking really strong to start. As soon as it switched back, it was just like, Oh, all I can do is jab. Like that's the only thing she could do to a fellow Southpaw. And that, and then Grasso couldn't even figure out a way around. Like there were some, I would say, problems. The whole thing is great. Like the outcome, the heart, what she showed, her grappling. But like, I don't know. You choked her out the first fight. Every second you were in, in dominant position in this fight, you were smothering the life out of her. Maybe go to a takedown before the last minute of the final round of the fight and see if that works for you. Like I, she also I don't know. knocked I her down though. She was finding success in various aspects of the striking. She like, did, and that's the thing. I, I feel like you are deeply underrating it. what we've seen her do twice now to uh, one of the greatest female fighters in the history of sports. I don't think I'm underrating. I think it's just a weird thing where she has had really great moments in these fights. She's also had pretty bad moments in the in these fights. The it those it's hard to pin it down, but the ebbs and flows of this fight felt more to me like uh the opposite woman's failure than the successful woman's successes but if that makes sense it's not that it's not that simple though it's, it's not like she's fighting you or i in there she's fighting someone who's so complex and so tricky and so dangerous like it's i don't think it's nearly as simple as you're making it out to be a lot of people have lost fights because they can't figure out how to get around a jab that feels like a very gross sort of uh minimalization of, of what we're watching i mean but you know she's gonna have a jab and you spent ostensibly this whole camp preparing and you still struggled so hard with it that but That's for a good jab, jab. it is but if if val doesn't go for the most boneheaded throw um in recent memory probably the most um heaved of a move since chris weidman did a spinning attack on uh luke rockhold the entire narrative is we're talking about the first fight or this fight this fight this fight oh, this is the first okay, fight was not a the first fight was a spin attack Okay, okay, yeah, because she does. Val makes crazy mistakes in fights. (laughs) I don't. So that's the thing is, I don't think in the first fight that's a mistake. Valentina Shevchenko went for a spinning back kick. It's a weapon for her. That was Grosso being drilled and timed on a on a trigger and motioning on it. That's nothing but upside for her. She didn't throw that at all at this fight, real quick. No, she didn't. She didn't spin at all, um, except for that one time when she wasn't spinning. She was trying a head and arm throw, which is idiotic. And but if that doesn't happen, then this whole fight is wow. Down the stretch, Grasso ran out of answers, and you know we t- are talking a lot of it. But it's like when the answer was just the jab. Like you, your only answer was to go to Southpaw, and that took a lot of of her things away. But how? Why weren't you mixing things up a little more effectively? I like I said, I'm not saying she's a bad fighter. I think she's the best flyweight in the world that's not named Aaron Blanchfield. But I still just have questions about like the whole piece of her game at this point because there are there are weaknesses like she is not a champion who is bulletproof there are flaws and that makes her really compelling but i i still have questions well we shall see and we'll we shall see where she will go from here uh we'll take some questions here about some different things uh first one we kind of touched on this but shaheen i'll start with you was this draw the best outcome for everyone and i don't think it's the best outcome for everyone but Valentina could do anything, but knowing her, she'll demand a third fight or will fight in an eliminator. 
Oh. Uh, best outcome for everyone here. Before you answer that, Shane, real quick, I did a poll. Oh, uh, I just, basically, oh. I just asked who do you think won the fight on our of our uh, listeners right now. Forty six percent for Grasso, forty five percent for Shevchenko, and the rest being draw. It's the right so that's outcome. Why I keep, so essentially, that's why I keep draw. Thinking, so it's the right outcome. Draw. And if you look on MMA decisions, it's incredible. The fan basically is split 50-50 between Ross and Shevchenko uh, with the media. And the fans themselves, 47.8% had Grasso. 47.8% had Shevchenko. The rest being a draw. This fight is wow. as close as I've ever seen between media and fans. It's, it's actually very incredible. Really, yeah. So yeah, wow. I just, just like... want to get that out there before we go on. <laughs> And that's what I go back to. Just I like the result a lot, actually. Ultimately, just like I just don't like here. the process. The process yeah. of how we got here is infuriating. That's, this that's is round two. It's a different yeah. feeling. Yeah, yeah, if this is just a 10-8 round two, super different conversation. Yeah. Who scored the fifth round? I'm curious. Who scored the fifth round for Aljamain Sterling against Henry Cejudo? Was it Mike? Was that Mike Bell too? Oh, I can look real quick. I'm curious. I don't know if it was, but I'm just I'm I'm throwing that out because that was the other like super weird one, where like in a in a world where the fifth round was scored appropriately, like Henry Cejudo's the bantamweight champion and not what Sean O'Malley. Was, what event was that? No, Michael 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 Bell scored. Uh, it was Derek Cleary that scored. Yeah. Derek Cleary, uh, okay, Derek Cleary. Uh, but Michael Bell was also judging that card, and he, he scored did. the fifth round for Cejudo. So. um Yes, which is the right okay. call. And, yeah, Michael Bell. But think about think about if that, that Mike fifth Bell round is a good round. Is a good judge. Mike Bell is usually a good judge. Yeah, yeah, he's good. I, this is why I just I really wish a weird one. I could there was some level of. I've already explained it. I would have just loved to hear from him. I'm so certain that this was a I I made an oopsie, and so she's going to get an eight because that will correct my oopsie. It's like I'm so certain that's what happened here. Honestly, I, um, it is yeah, what man. it is. All things considered, I just can't get over the fact that four years ago this woman was two and three in the last five, and really looked like somebody that, who was just not going to become this. And then now she's we're having legitimate conversations about her kind of beaten Valentina Shevchenko twice in a row. Like that's what what hell I, th- of I think that's a great point, Shaheen, because I I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. The the improvement she has made, I still do have questions, but. She's come astonishingly far in the last few years. Absolutely, we say that we say that about Grasso, but it sounds like we we could be saying the same thing about. I mean, I, I don't want to talk about Strickland is assigning too much, but I mean, what Strickland did. See, what, it's, Strickland is, is, is it like, the, is it almost the same? Like I could not see him being champ. Like just like we're saying about Grasso, I could not see Grasso being champ, even though we're kind of saying a couple of years ago with Strickland, we were saying it last week. Yeah, but we did this. Ago. We did this after Strickland, where like you look through his resume, it's not that bad. There's never a stretch where he's two and three over five, and you're kind of wondering whether he he belongs in this sort of conversation. Like he was losing to the guys you'd think he'd lose to an Usman, you know, those type of Different figures. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know that it's comparable, but it's certainly like it should. It's another example which of which we see many. You can't judge these people, these fighters, before when they're we, midway we through their on, career, right? We give up <laughs> like, on them way too soon, or we yeah. push them way too fast you know so that, that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of everything colorado point. wins it in double overtime by the way guys golly man oh, Dion, Dion coach can't prime lose. squeaking one out over colorado state in double ot 
I don't know anyone who yeah. goes to Colorado, so I'm good. Uh, did Colorado yeah, State go for a hand and arm? Did Colorado State Ooh. go for a hand and arm throw? No, they got put on like fourth and ten, um, and that they just couldn't get there. So um, their defense was awful in overtime. But you know, all right. So the head and arm throw. What an impossible. Yeah, we'll, we'll, chuck we'll keep job. on. We'll keep on rolling here. Uh, we this is a very interesting night because we had a judge in the main event that wasn't great. Uh, Herb Dean, hokey pokey, Herb was actually up. Did a really good job in the main event. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, He's been we had some hair, pretty good. We had lately. some hair pulling. We had some hair pulling in the Jasmine Jazdavizius Tracy Cortez fight, and that only made that much better. It wasn't called. Props to Jason Herzog for letting that thing go. But not all the refereeing was great tonight. Mm. Edgar Chires versus Daniel Lacerda. Can we break it down? Will Edgar Chires be successful in his appeal? So for those who don't know, oh, he's appealing. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Or- MMAfighting.com, great website. Uh, oh, sorry, I, didn't, I, yes. I missed it. I missed it. Pretty good website. Sorry. It's a pretty good website. So if you guys, if you guys didn't watch this fight, um, Daniel Lacerda, who is zero four in the UFC with four <laughs> stoppage losses, went in there with Edgar Chires, and they had a fight. Edgar puts in a gilly, looks kind of tight, and then he readjusts, and then looks real tight, and. Chris Tyone, I mean, the dude pulled out a monocle and was this close to looking at things. That's how close he was. He had his monocle on and everything. But unfortunately, the monocle was just on the arm of one Daniel Lacerda, but nothing else. And at first, as I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, this is the right call because Lacerda's arm just goes completely limp. And as soon as it does, Chris Tyone jumps right in and stops the fight. And Daniel Lacerda is pissed. He immediately protests it they go to replay chris tyone when they come back from break says i was wrong i screwed that up apologize to daniel lacerda who for a moment was zero five in the ufc with five stoppage losses was in the history books and then it gets overturned to a no decision and as we reported on mafighting.com edgar chires is appealing this and wants to get his win so that is kind of the breakdown of this so shaheen what four or five hours later? What do you make of this? And does Edgar Chires have any chance of being successful with this appeal? Uh, B, no, he has zero chance. There's this is absolutely <laughs> not going to work. I'm, I hate to spoil it for him, but there's zero chance that he's going to what, like, what are you expecting to get out of this? A win because you're not going to get a win, it's already a no contest. I don't, they can't just run it back. They should have been able to just run it back in the cage. It's very dumb that that's, you can't just resume the, the fight the, yeah. from the offending position. But but to answer your first question, I, I almost just want to go to Casey because Casey felt very, very strongly about this in the moment. Oh, yeah, go ahead. He might oh, have I, mellowed since yeah. Casey tonight. <laughs> he was very yeah, much Chris, facing out while I was talking. I could tell right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Chris Tayoni, he screwed up and they just, he, okay, the big thing, we say the arm went limp. First of all, I didn't go limp. Because if you look at the replay, he never actually checks his arm if it's limp. He literally uh, it, appears, lost. it appeared to go limp. It appears to go limp, but he, he, he was stuck in the gating. He just puts his arm down. It, and if you notice, uh, uh, Grasso did pretty much the same thing, but she was on her back. She, she was stuck in the gating, and she goes, oh, wait, never mind. I'm just going to relax. Being she, on her back she, she, she just doesn't her... bring gravity into play, which is a problem. Yeah. And like, what I kept saying about uh, Tayoni, if he's going limp, what happened to his legs? His legs did not go limp. Think of the John Jones Machida thing. Like when, when Machida went out, his legs went out and he fell down. 
So somehow this guy is only his arm goes limp and his legs were still holding him underneath. This I'm not Christian. He's a, he's a professional ref. He just made a mistake. He just made a mistake and they fixed it, thankfully. And it sucks. It sucks for Edgar Chires. It sucks. It just sucks because he was most likely on his way to winning that fight. Maybe not that submission, but he was going to win the fight eventually. And Christian kind of screwed it up for him. Huh? Yeah. I think he was going to win with that submission. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, he might have had to readjust for the, he might have had to readjust the submission and thing, but the position he was in right then, yeah. he was not getting the submission right then, but he could have but, readjusted for it. But maybe not. Now, on the other side, Daniel Lazardo may or may not have already broken the UFC record for most UFC appearances without a win. So that's a fun. I, thing. I think this is history. Um, I saw history. History. Tonight. History no. or making. No, there are, he's there are, at I mean, least there are other top three. I don't, I'm sure there's some weird no. stuff that I can. No, no, about. he's there are, there are one, two, three, four, five uh, fighters. Uh, the wonderful AK Lee actually pulled this together this week who uh, are 0 and 5 in the UFC, um, with including no contest. So he joins that illustrious group, which includes people like Pat Healy. Shaheen, I know you stand opposed to that one. I but thoroughly disagree with that. I watched uh, Pat Healy beat Sean Soriano. I do not care how high he was during it. Jesse Ronson. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, if we don't follow the rules, we live with the animals, Shaheen, and he broke them. John Alessio also owned five. So he does join a very elite group of people. Um, and... Since he probably gets another shot, maybe he's the first one to go on six. So there's that. Um, that is look, on the table. <clears throat> I think I so we did something like this not that long ago, and I said the same thing. Like it's an unfortunate circumstance. I don't blame Tyone that much. Um, I don't think he was like perfect operations, but um, Why did he grab his freaking arm and lift it. He didn't grab his arm. Yeah, like yeah. he, he could have done that. It's but, not like well, he's also, getting. It also would have been like a little knocked weird. out. Like there's not a crazy the, sense of immediate well, yeah. urgency there. So that's part of that. Like, that's my only real thing is like, it's a, it's a blood choke. Like you're fine. If he yeah, goes out, a, like he can hold it for another knock, second yeah. or two. But um, like, ultimately I totally get why he did it. Uh, Cause it, it looked like he went to sleep. Like he probably should have checked the arm, but it was like a little awkward against the cage. And that may have been tougher. Um, and it looked like his arm does just drop. And it's a, a, something similar happened with Robbie Lawler, Ben Askren. It's not a great circumstance, but he owned up to it. And that's really all you can ask. You know, roughing's hard. Mistakes it, are going to get made. It is hard, yes. It's like it's really tough. Sometimes things are going to happen. It's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, they did the best they could with the thing. And then the rest of the conversation is, like you guys mentioned, ways to make this better hey, we can just restart this fight. Like, that'd be okay. Um, figure out how to do solve things like this in ways that don't adversely affect the fighter when they happen because you put on a 1,000 fights a year, a couple of them are going to get wonky. That's just the law of numbers. How about Edgar Chirez? What a year that man has had. He was in a submission. He was part of a winning submission hold that went on way too long for Fury FC. Uh, that almost killed a freaking dude and, like, ripped the dude's arm apart. Yeah, that um, was... it's pinned to my Twitter. If you guys haven't seen that or anything about it, uh, did a whole breakdown of that. Edgar was a part of that fight, gets signed to the UFC next, steps in on short notice on a pay-per-view, has a fun fight. And now he's on the end of like a submission that was stopped too short. And now he's appealing. It's been a year for that dude. Holy shit. So really something else to... in all angles. Hey, every hey, aspect you know, the that. guy that he, Everything. um, that Gianni Vasquez, the guy that he actually yes. almost killed. I actually saw his, his last fight. 
Yeah, he's a champ. UNF, and it was and it was legit one of the best regional fights I've ever seen too. So uh, yeah, so that guy's back on his horse. So yeah, crazy. And uh, crazy since time. you brought up. Since you brought up one young Johnny Vasquez, uh, I spoke with the man last week about that win and about everything yeah. going on with his fight against Texas. So uh, stay tuned for that. I'm just trying to squeeze out a a time frame to to get that out and figure out how to, a way to put that out to you. A little follow up to the big story from earlier. Uh, I forgot Mike Bell also gave a a thirty twenty four scorecard earlier today for the first fight of the night. Oh, Josephine Knudsen. I didn't hate that, that one at all. I thought those were all 10. Didn't I didn't watch a second of that played. fight. I remember, yeah, and that was a 30-24, and then one ref gave it, a, one judge that I gave it a 30-27. So we sh we should have anticipated we are going to have some 10-8 tomfoolery by the main event. Yeah, but these were like, these were like, like okay. Anytime you turn a TV on to watch fist fighting. Okay. Marnik, that's the thing. In 15 I actually, minutes. I thought we were going to have 10-8 tomfoolery. I just didn't think uh, Grasso won the, uh, I thought, I thought Grasso won the fourth. And so I thought it was going to be a 48, 47 scorecard for her. And then when it didn't, I was like, okay, I guess some people in our Slack had said that Shevchenko won it. And that I was like, okay, I guess Grasso got round two and they gave Chevy the fourth. And then it was like round five. Interesting. Okay. Yes. I'm actually um, round four. Was, it, was round four? Who won? Who, how did you score round four? Was that a close round? Round four? I gave four to Grasso, very, but it was the most competitive round. I thought okay, because one judge, one extremely judge competitive, but I thought the knees. Two judge gave it to Shevchenko. Meaningful the knees, sequence of the, the knees sold it to me. Yeah, the knees, the knees were the difference for me in that round. I scored it for Shevchenko. The knees made it closer, a closer car conversation, but I still gave it to Shevchenko. Two of the judges also gave it to Shevchenko. Um, I believe Mike Bell was one of those judges, if memory serves me correctly. No, he was. Yeah. 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 Yes. Because he had right. correct. Because then he had to make up for his error yeah, at the it, end. It was a makeup call. It was a, look. Yep. You watch it. Sure it you watch a football game, and they don't call the the you know face mask penalty that results in a touchdown. Next time they get down the field, they let the O line get away with like an egregious hold. Happens all the time. He just did it in a very public setting on ESPN Plus. It's okay. This just proves I see you, Mike Bell is fine. Mixed martial arts is a sport. That's all it is. Hey, tonight. <laughs> Guys, can we I mean, briefly? Unless it's yes, please. Can we briefly before we go? Well, I don't know if we're answering more questions. Um, I wanted to bring up two more. more. We got to get out of here. Oh, if we've oh, got yeah, two more. Oh, sorry. Okay. I will do uh, one more. Maybe, we'll maybe one these more. questions. Maybe these questions will be what I was going to say. So let's let's find out. Well, I wanted to bring this up because I thought Tracy Cortez was one of the stars of the show tonight. Um, the only girl to beat Aaron Blanchfield. I don't know if you actually watched that fight, but she didn't win that fight. She, she did. She did. Beat Aaron but it looks good on the Wikipedia. It sure does. Uh, and she looked good tonight. It, yes. Uh, she's the only girl to beat Aaron Blanchfield uh, and look good tonight versus a surging Jasmine Jastavigius while coming off of a long layoff. Uh, is she a top contender? if she can fight with regularity. And that's something you and I talked about Casey on the people's pre-fight show. Uh, and this is something Shaheen that I thought was very interesting coming from Tracy Cortez saying, Hey, I know you guys haven't seen me for a while. I got heart for days and guess what? I'm going to come for that belt. Not in three years, not in four years next year. I'm going to be the champion. She plans on being active and getting to the belt. So thoughts on Tracy's performance after the long layoff and her saying, hey, I'm chasing the belt next year, so be ready for me. I thought it was a very impressive performance. I hope she's telling the truth about the activity level because this is somebody who 
been in the UFC five years now, and it's literally for one fight a year. Like she, we've not seen her twice in a single year throughout her time. And I've been impressed, man. I feel like she, her evolution, you, you can just see it. Like she has grown leaps and bounds since who she debuted as coming off Invicta. But I don't know, man. I just, I hope that she can find the level of activity that she needs to sort of become someone who matters in this division. Cause I, she, she reminds me of a similarly of sort of how Arnold Allen took a really long time to become a contender in the featherweight division because he was just kind of fighting once a year against a rando and then you wouldn't remember it because he'd be gone so long and then all of a sudden there he is again fighting against a rando and he'd win and all the, and you look at it it's arnold allen is like five and oh in the ufc but he's not mentioned at all when we talk about people who matter in that division and then he was able to find consistency and fight a little bit more often and now he is who you know he's that guy i hope that tracy cortez can make that make that push because i'm really intrigued to, to see who she can become especially because man i know that it may feel like something just to be said to, to the or that something that people would just throw out of what she was dealing with dealing with henry cejudo's sister tragically passing away yesterday but that is very meaningful like the cejudo family has been very important to tracy cortez if you sort of look at her backstory and her history like they've that is i when she calls her her big sister i believe her like they, they've been very important to sort of getting her where she is and and bringing her through some really tough times and for for Cejudo, for Henry Cejudo's sister to pass away yesterday and to be able to push through that and have a performance like this today on, on a really big stage like this, not fighting for more than a year, that's impressive, man. Just emotionally, like as a human, to be able to push through those emotions and perform. I was super impressed. Great fight. Great performance. Uh, Jad, I'm going to bring up a different name for you. Lupi Godinez. Uh, you went on No Bets Barred. You predicted she would get a win inside the distance. I think there was a moment in that fight where you were like, um, oh, maybe she won't get it inside the distance, but man, she peppered that face. And then like immediately, like after the last punch landed, she was already, she already had a poor Elise Reed up in the sky. Somehow she punched her in the face and still lifted her up in the air and slammed her to the ground all in one motion. It was incredible. Uh, Lupi Godinez. What did you think of her performance tonight? How high are you on her after this showing at 115 pounds? Um, one, let's just start with Lupe Godinez is dope. Two, I need to put you guys in the correct mind frame of the day I've been having because I hadn't been, uh, it's, it's been around. Wake up this morning, very excited. Atlanta United game, Inter Miami's in town. Um, this guy named Leo Messi plays for Inter Miami. Uh, it's going to be great. We're going to have a fun time. The family came in. We're going to go see it. Oh, what's that? Oh, Lionel Messi is not, um, even in Atlanta, didn't even fly up to wave at people while he sits on the <laughs> sidelines. Tough beat, particularly when you look at the retail value of those tickets. Uh, go have a good time anyway, except for that game's going on the same time. My beloved Georgia Bulldogs, South Carolina in town, supposed to womp them. We're like 20 point favorites, 14 to three for South Carolina at half. Not, not, not the vibes all day were off. And then I get home, I'm watching this fight. I've got a loopy inside the distance. She breaks the woman's arm. I don't understand. Um, that was ridiculous, what, man. I just, I just don't understand the the arm the arm angles. Um, are, is that what MMA angles are? Because I hurt. It was her ninety degrees to her elbow. Like I don't like. I remember um, when I used to train. Like they were like, yeah, you know, not everybody can you can't break everybody's arm. You know, some people are just really bendable. And I never like 
came across a person that was super that way. Uh, and I guess Elise Reed is, I don't get it. And then she almost she like finished her anyway. And I was like, this is just going to be a day of awful beats. And then even, even up until the finish, I was terrified because she is lamping her against the cage, killing her. And then she goes for the takedown and one credit to Lupe. She's got some high amplitude tosses when she gets in on you. She can, she can chuck a woman in the air uh, like few others in this weight class. But I was concerned. Totally fine. In the end, she just rolls over. Uh, I don't know what her ceiling is because, you know, she suffered some losses. But when she's on, she's game to give anybody a damn good fight. Um, and she's just one of the most fun fighters to watch, you know, in the strawweight division right now. She's just gas. So uh, terrific performance um, against, you know, Elise Reed, who's competent, but I wouldn't say like a great fighter. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Really, really fun. And then Casey, real quick, uh, who impressed you the most tonight? Daniel Zellhuber, Roman Kopilov, or Charlie Campbell? There's a right answer, Casey. There's a right answer. You picked the right answer, Casey. (laughs) Uh, I wasn't going to say loopy, but of those choices, um, I'm going to go – can I go Zellhuber? No, is that the right answer? What what was the right answer? Kopilov. Kopilov is the right answer. It's definitely Kopilov. One Zell Huber had the cool the the anaconda was awesome though like that was yeah, super it's, slick it's sequence. it's dope but also Zell Huber looks like a middleweight fighting a lightweight so like you got to dock him points for that and I like Zell Huber and um, rib roasters baby couple off with the with the burners like oh I, the answer will always be body shot KO for me That's I just, have I have I long know. arms so I'm very when I saw the anaconda. Off, off after stuffing the takedown, getting the headlock, and then going for the anaconda, it just made my so heart beautiful. skip a beat. It made my heart that skip a beat. Good. I was just like, just oh. like, use that's those like, long arms to punch that dude in the body. Work the body. <laughs> yeah, yes. that, that, that 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 liver shot, that liver roasting was very beautiful. Also, it was so a lot, lot, lot of great violence tonight. It was so good. Gene. Can I just ask all you? We can close on this. Yes. Robin Kabilov, four in a row now. Loses his first U2 in the UFC. Kind of didn't look super great in them. And now all of a sudden, four in a row knockouts. How for real do we think this is? Dude looked pretty good, man. I feel a little bit vindicated, Shaheen. I feel a little vindicated with this one. Uh, We'll talk more about this on on the next one tomorrow. Because I think we're going to automatically bump Roman up to to an official pick uh, for the main car. Because I think he, frankly, deserves it. But after that second loss, everybody had given up on the man. Oh, he's one fight away from getting cut. You know who didn't? You know who used him as a wild card even coming off of a loss because I believed in him so much? This guy right here. This dude right here. And he's paid it off for me. He's paid it off for me. Four straight finishes. Dude's good. Dude's real, real good. Um, I, I, I can't look at him and just think it's, Chase, it's, it's just trust Chase Hooper on the juice. No, that's no, the thing he just I, he, his I, looks, I, 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 his I just, looks see, I just, lie like what actually he needs a he rebrand to the cage yeah so who actually won this fight is this a win for chris curtis or anthony hernandez since these guys both replaced those two guys <laughs> uh, i don't remember how we tracked this down in the pre-show um because this was an easier one i think cynthia calvillo lost tonight if i'm remembering uh <laughs> the the main car the the first fight of the night opener but I could be wrong um, I don't know. Uh, you know what? I'll get with the mathologists and we'll figure out who, who were the ancillary winners and losers, um, in the thesis ship of this fight event. Cause copy is supposed to play Hernandez. So technically it's Chris Curtis then. I guess so. 
Uh, but Shaheen, to your point, to your point, um, one, he's a five-time world combat Sambo champion. Um, and uh, if you look at the history of world combat Sambo champions uh, in MMA, they do pretty well. The UFC, they tend to uh, do pretty well. Particularly multiple time world champions. Um, they it's a very strong base for mixed martial arts. Odd to lose to the dudes that he lost to the same time. Look great, but also like tough to know how good because Josh Frim, Punhil Soriano. That's the Buddy thing. Roberto, you just haven't seen the competition, right? Alessio De Chico. Like these are guys who are not bad fighters by any stretch, but like that's a pretty clear tier of guy at middleweight and not a top tier of guy. So um, I don't know, but I mean, it's on a great run. I think he's going to get a shot at top 15 guy next. So um, that'll be the one where we can really determine, but five time, five time, five time world combat Sambo champion. Do we Always just chuck him in there with, you know? do we just give him either Chris Curtis or Anthony Hernandez, whoever's ready first? Yes. I think that, I think that's totally fine. Um, I agree. I like that. I like Seems that. good. Let's see if you can get past a, a boost. Look, if he gets oh, past, you know boost, what happens. Fighting, fighting for the title, baby. Fighting for the belt. Before uh, we, we close it down, I do want to ask one thing. I just want us to take and appreciate how lucky we are because I've been following this sport for twenty years. I think. Um, I think this is my twentieth year of fandom. Um, maybe it's one less or one more, give or take. I think, I think here, September seventeenth at two forty. I'm, I'm willing to call it. Stop the fight. Match is over. This is the funniest year in MMA history. I don't, I do not think a collection of funnier outcomes have happened, and we still have like the whole back stretch of the year. I mean, Sean O'Malley winning, Sean Strickland winning. The this fight ending in a draw, <laughs> like that is a series of heaters right down. Not to mention at the beginning of the year we got the whole light heavyweight, whatever that was in a ram. Here's our new title fight, and then by the summer the guy they crown champion blows his Achilles. Aaron Rodgers is himself out of the company for the next nine months. He says he's vacating the belt. He's sitting in a sombrero cage side for this, and they're still calling him the champion <laughs> despite the fact that. I believe they are working on a title fight between Alex Pereira and Yuri Prashka. This is they didn't the even funniest get... freaking year of all time. Man. They didn't even you put the press release out before they took Yuri out of the title. Uh, they, the before best. they stripped, officially stripped Yuri of the belt. But Jed, crazy. you actually forgot the, the funniest part of the whole year. Is Which that one? the fact that Chandler Connor is not actually yeah. happening. Yeah, not, not even <laughs> happening. <laughs> you know what, it's that's so, the funniest part of the whole year. Really Michael Chandler said, threw a year of his career away. For dude, the whole fight. Bellator PFL stuff is hilarious. Francis <laughs> is going to knock out uh, Tyson Fury at this rate. This is the funniest year. I've had so much fun. There have been so many post shows where I've just been like, this is incredible and hilarious. And it's, I mean, even Grasso beating Shevchenko the way she did and me taking that L is funny as hell. Like, this has just been a chef's kiss year for humor i love this sport so much uh, i love what you're saying no, you're good would be the funniest year ever. no no keep the music music can go. It's fine. oh no it's in the background just very slightly yes this track can win the title nice. versus dada 5000 happened in 2016 no that's the that's funniest fight
That's the funniest. That, that makes fight. the year the funniest. That's the goat fight. That's all it is. No, no, that is the goat fight. But this year has too many other funny moments. Kim, it's best. I've had so much fun this year. And I have so much fun sharing these moments in the aftermath with with all of you, not just the men who are on the screen here, but all of you watching this program right now. But we are done. Funniest outcomes that can happen for the rest of this year. I mean, Stipe winning is obviously. Stipe winning is obviously the funniest. Will make this the funniest. Uh, This would be the fun. I I came up with the funniest one on heck of a morning. By the way, Uh, the funniest one would be they book Yuri versus Alex in December. (laughs) <laughs> something happens with Alex and Sean Strickland steps in on short notice because nobody else is available. I knew you were going immediately. And that's that would be the funniest oh. thing. Oh my God. Oh, he would say yes. He would I absolutely have never, say I yes. I thought of that. Now I kind of want that. I kind of want it too. What a year. Oh, it's the best. All right, but we're done, everybody. Thank you so much for Shaheen, for Jed, for Casey. I am Mike Heck. Uh, next week, they're back at the Hallowed Apex. That's just how you want to follow up an event like this. Three Go events in a row, baby. Apex. Three yes, events we get, in a row. Uh, we have a hell of a main event next week. We got Matush Gamrat versus Raphael Fazeev, which is just going to kick ass. We get Danny Gay versus Bryce Mitchell. Not a bad one. Not a bad one, but we are back at the Apex. So thank you very much. Uh, on to the next one tomorrow. I may are on Monday. It's going to be fun. Thank you all very much. Good night, everybody. Love y'all. Sean Strickland. Two division champion. Two division champion. What I think it's funnier if he fights Alex Pereira for the light heavyweight title. Oh. No, Yuri would be going down again. Yeah. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.